From adoration <laughs> to supplication. <laughs> he is correct. Notice that the first four things that Christ asked for. When Remember, this is the model prayer. In other words, this prayer comes on the heels of the disciples saying, teach us how to what? And it was never really meant to be a prayer that was repeated over and over. It was meant to be sort of this system, if you will, this framework for prayer. And notice, so it's very important that we notice that the first, the very first things, the first four things that Jesus prays for when he's teaching the disciple how to pray has nothing to do with us and everything to do with God. Go back to the beginning. Let's look at it. He says, pray then in this way, our Father who is in what? Then he says what? Hallowed be your Hallowed be your name. Come on. He said, I want your kingdom to what? I want your will to be what? On earth as it is in what? The first thing he does, the first four things he does, watch this. Prayer should model the way our life looks. In that, it should always go upward first and then come down to us. We should always, we should seek in prayer the same thing that we should seek in our lives. And that is that God be glorified first. We see it in the Ten Commandments. When you go back and read the Ten Commandments, I want you to take a look at them when you get home. Go back and read them. In the first four commandments, they're all about who we should be toward God. And then the last six are about who we should be toward our fellow man. God's agenda, his purpose for us, is always that we give him glory first. And, and the problem for many a believer is that we seek our glory ahead of God's. We seek our own glory ahead of God's. And when we approach God, we got to learn to approach God looking to give him glory first. Looking for what we can bring to him before we look for what he can bring to us. Even in our prayer lives. Even in our prayer lives. Now watch this. A lot of times it's not possible to model your prayers in this way. It's not reasonable. And we see that in Matthew, I think it was 16, when Peter was sinking uh, on the seas after he was crazy enough to tell, tell Jesus, if that's you, bid me that I come to you. And Jesus said, well, come on if you're bad enough. And the Bible says that Peter got out the boat and he walked on water and then he started what? Sinking. He didn't have time to be talking about uh, our Father, who art in heaven, holy is your name. All Peter, <laughs> all Peter with his crazy self had time to do was say what? Help me, Jesus. 
Watch this. There are some times in some situations that we are in where I've been in those situations. Anybody ever been in those situations? All you got time to do, help me, Lord. And then I, I've been in situations where I didn't even have time to say, help me, Lord. All I had time to say was Jesus. And, and, and I assume he knew what I meant. Amen. So, so this is a model for prayer. It's not, let's not be religious about it sometimes, but for the most part, most times when you're in your prayer closet, when you're taking out time, don't just rush right into what you want. And remember, it's about your attitude because the attitude of that says to God that I don't really care what you want from me. Here's what I need from you. And I've told you before, just even separating it from us and God, nobody wants to be in a relationship like that. Uh, nobody. Uh, so, you know, uh, remember that. First is giving glory to God. Now, uh, so the part that we're looking at tonight is hallowed be thy name. Uh, can you pull that up? Hallowed be thy name. Now, there was a, he says, hallowed be thy name. To, hallowed means to make holy, to keep sacred, to set apart for religious use, consecrated. And what, what he was saying when he said hallowed be thy name was, he was saying your name is holy. Your name is sacred. Uh, your name is set apart. And I'll get more into that. But today, we don't even think about, you know, what a name means when we name our children. <laughs> don't even think about it. Some of these names, I, I just be like, but, but, but why you don't like your child? That's Ratchamisha. I was, I was reading something today when I was studying this, and I read that uh, Kim Kardashian, was it Kim? One of the, Kard which one hooked up with Kanye? Kim. It's Kim. Named her child Northwest. <laughs> Northwest. But why you don't like your child? I guess. But we don't, we don't even think about it. We, what we consider is, does it sound good? Or does it sound good at least to us? Uh, you know, but names back then, especially to Jewish people, they represented your character. They said something about who you are. They told where you came from and they, they represented where and who you were, certain names even now. Think about it. And that's why you ought to be careful what you name your children. Certain names evoke certain feelings and meanings in our minds. Watch this. Let's play a little game. Y'all ready? Yeah. Steve Jobs. There you go. Apple. Michael Jordan. Not in my mama house. <laughs> How about a not so good one? Jeffrey Dahmer. Cannibal. Killer. 
Watch this. Think about corporations. When I say Nike, shoes. McDonald's, burgers, food. Watch this. Morris Bart. I'm hearing all kinds of stuff. And Miss Francis, I ain't even sure I want to know what it is. One call, that's what? That's all. You hear certain names, watch this, and you think about certain what? Things. I had in my notes to say my name, and then I thought about who I was dealing with, and I scratched it out. I want to know what y'all think. <laughs> Why are you laughing so hard, Miss Deborah? <laughs> but watch this. All these names, they conjure up certain feelings or images about what these companies and people do and what kinds of reputation they have. Watch this. In the same way, when you said, hallowed be thy name, God's name proclaims his reputation. It proclaims who he is and all that he's done. And because the weight of his name carried so much weight, the Jewish people, they revered his name so much that they wouldn't even say it. As a matter of fact, they wouldn't spell it out. And what they did was they took the consonants of one of his names, Yahweh, and the vowels of another of his names, Adonai, and they put them together and they came up with the word Jehovah so that they could call him, but at the same time not irreverence him by saying his name. So when Jesus teaches us to pray, hallowed be thy name, what he's telling us is to proclaim that God should be given the reverence that his character as our father demands. He's telling us to do more than just salute the Lord. He's also telling us that the Lord desires for us to recognize, get this, who he is and what he's done for us. He's telling us to proclaim who God is. He's not just saying, just say, hallowed be your name. He's telling us you are there to proclaim who God is. Now, one of the things Jesus said regarding the Jewish people was in Matthew 15 and 8. Watch what he says. He says, this people honors me with their what? But their heart is far away from what? from me. He said, they, I'm, this, this is the people who honor me with their lips. As, in other words, what he was saying was, as much as they respect my name, as, as much as they are afraid, as much as they reverence my name with their mouths to the point where they're afraid to say it, what he was saying was, in their actions, in their lives, in what they do, they're really far away from me. In other words, what he was saying was, God is way more interested in our heart response than our lip service. He's way more interested in our behavior and our actions. And the Jews, they carried the name of God, 
they revered and respected and wouldn't even verbalize the name of God, but their words meant absolutely nothing to God because their heart and their behavior and their actions was far from God. So the salute that Jesus was teaching when he said, hallowed be thy name, was more than just words. It was more than just telling God he's a way maker. It was acting like it. It was more than just telling God he's a protector. It was acting like it. It was more than just telling God that you are Jehovah Nisi and Jehovah Jireh and you are good father and you are uh, uh, all, all, all powerful and you are king of kings and lord of lords. You know, we say that real easy. But what God is more interested in, hallowed be thy name, do you act like it? Here's the other thing. The Jewish people wore the name of God. They were known as God, Yahweh's, Jehovah's chosen people. The Bible says that as believers now, having received Jesus Christ, we have been grafted into that chosen family. And just like God expected them to do more than just uh, reverence his name in word, he expects the same from us. Here's my question. What does your action say about what you believe about the name of God? When you examine your life, when you, when you, when you look at how you behave, how you carry yourself, how you act, not when you're at Faith Bible, but when you're on your job and when you're in your home and other places, what do your actions say about whether or not you truly reverence the name of God? Can you really say, hallowed be your name? Oh, I knew it wasn't going to be no shouting. I got it right here in my note. <laughs> say, there will be no shouting. At this point, the church will be quiet. The lights behind you will even be out. <laughs> said that Alexander the Great had a young man in his army in the middle of a battle he was found running away from one of from the battle so he was caught and brought before Alexander and Alexander the Great asked the young man what's your name the young man ashamedly hung his head and mumbled in a hushed voice Alexander sir Alexander the Great strained to hear what the young man had said, then asked the question again. The young man replied in muted tones, Alexander, sir. By now, Alexander the Great was indignant, and he started yelling. He said, young man, what is your name? When he got like that, the young man snapped to attention and responded very forcefully, Alexander, sir said Alexander the Great sat back in his chair, thought about the man's response for a moment, and then with a tone that would make you shiver, he said, young man, change your attitude or change your name. Come here, Christian. <laughs> you do know Christian means Christ follower. 
You, you, you do know the name Christian identifies you with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What does your attitude say? One of our highest goals and deepest passions should be that God's name is revered. And when I say that, I mean that we live with the idea that my life will honor God's name to the very best of my ability. God's name means that the Lord is worthy of us, number one, treating him with all respect due his character. I was at a funeral a few weeks ago. A young lady stood up. It was our grandfather's funeral. This young lady stood up, and she, you know, talked about her grandfather. And then, at the end of it all, she went on to talk about how her family had lost, I think it was her uncle and her daddy, and now her grandfather, within like three or four months of one another. And then she said something. She said, and I told God that he had taken enough from us. I told God that we had filled his quota enough, that he needed to pick on somebody else. I'm sitting in the pulpit, and I get the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> because I don't think she meant it in this way, but just to get up the nerve to say to an all-powerful God, to say to a God who said of himself that when you don't honor me, I just look at your stuff when I get ready and blow on it and destroy all of it. To say to a God who created the heavens and the earth, to say to a God who spoke the world into existence, you picked on us enough. Find somebody else to pick on. I just, chills ran all over me. Listen, listen, listen. Never, ever, ever forget that your access to God does not give you the right to be irreverent of who he is. Always remember he's God. My kids are getting older now. Daughter 22, son 19, other son 13. And you know, so my relationship, especially with the older two, has gotten a whole lot lighter because I'm tra I've transitioned with them from parent to more of a coach, to more advisor. And every now and then, they push it. Come on, somebody. Just a little bit. Y'all know what I'm talking about? little bit too far. And I got to remind them, I got to say, hey, 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 I'm still daddy. Don't, 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 don't. Now, we cool, and we could be cool, and we could chill. And no, I probably won't hit you no more. Unless you forget. I'm still daddy. 
And as long as you're living, although we cool, I'm going to be what? Never allow your familiarity with God to cause you to contempt God. I hear people refer to God, Jesus is my bro. Okay, I get that. He's our friend. I'm a friend of God. Yes, we are. But don't forget, he's still God. Does that make any sense? He's still God. He's still God. We got to give him the honor that, that, that he deserves. I hear people use his name and crack jokes about him and things like that. And other people laughing. And I don't know, call it my religious background, but I always get the heebie-jeebies. Because I've always been taught that he's a powerful God. And yeah, he's your friend, but he will deal with you. He'll bring some pain into your life that you are not ready to handle. And at the end of it all, don't ever forget, he's your friend. But at some point, every knee's going to bow. Every tongue's going to confess. That he is not your friend, but he is Lord. And Lord don't mean my buddy. Lord means ruler. Lord means he calls the shots. Don't, 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 don't ever forget that. His name is to be hallowed. Jesus is saying, may your name be held in the highest regard as holy. May you be revered and respected because of who you are. May your character and reputation be honored and kept untarnished. To hallow God's name is to regard, respect, revere, profess, and proclaim that God is holy. There is nothing we can add to make him any more or less holy than he already is. David, way back in the Old Testament in Psalm 34, he said, glorify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. Now, I want to walk through this real quickly. <clears throat> the six minutes I have left, and it probably won't take that long. Initially, God was known as Elohim. Not there yet. That's in the beginning in Genesis. The Hebrew word Elohim meant or means strong one or creator. And it appears 31 times in the chapter in the first chapter of Genesis. And then as he revealed himself to his children, they saw him as more than just a creator. They saw him as a mighty force. They saw him as a loving father who met him at every crossroads of their lives. Jacob, for example, by the time you get to Genesis 48, he came to see God as Jehovah Ra or a caring shepherd. Like a shepherd, Jacob told his family, God has led me all of my life. And then Abraham had a different name for God. His was Jehovah Jireh, which meant the Lord who provides. Why? Because that was his answer for a whole lot of questions. When you look back over Abraham's life, God told Abraham, get thee from among thy kindred. And he has to turn to his wife if he's going to obey God. And he has to say to her, come on, let's pack up and move. And when she asks him, where are we going? His answer is, God will provide. 
Well, how are we going to eat? God will provide. Well, what are we going to do when we get there? God will provide. And then God gives him the promised son, Isaac, and then tells him to sacrifice Isaac. And on their way up the mountain, Isaac wants to know, Dad, where's the sacrifice? Abraham's response to Isaac was, God will provide. And in all of these things, over and over and over, Abraham saw that God would provide. And so his mantra was Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides. And then Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my battle. The Lord is my banner. The heat of battle, soldiers